So we have two scriptures this morning, and I only gave Justin one of them. Or did you get them both, Justin? Both? All right. So um, the first scripture is from 1 Corinthians 12, verses um, 4 through 11. Hear these words this morning. Now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of powerful deeds, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated, activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Then our second scripture comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 28. It reads this way, And we know that in all, thing God, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. May God grant us understanding of these words this day. Well, this is World Communion Sunday. So at any minute in, in, in this day, someone somewhere is taking communion. It's a Sunday in which we celebrate the unity of the church within and beyond our cultural and denominational differences across the world. Even as I think about this unity, I cannot help but think about the present powerful divisions within our society. And then, too, about the divisions that have often afflicted the church universal, whose unity we celebrate this day. I know that, that there is conflict and there's trouble out there. Nevertheless, I feel in the very narrow, the very marrow of my being that there is hope as long as we continue to work with God for good in our community, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our world, there is hope. So today we remember that others come to the table. Today we remember that the table is big and the welcome is bigger than we can even imagine. We remember that all are welcome and that all bring their gifts and that we together are the body of Christ. When I first realized, or remembered maybe would be a better word, what today was, I wondered how it would fit into our fall theme, living as a covenant people, living as a people of promise. After I kind of wondered about that, I sat there and I kind of shook my head and chuckled to myself because communion is the ultimate promise for us and for the world. It fits. It's part of that 
idea of living as people of covenant and promise. As we look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians, we need to remember that remember what the conditions were for that congregation. There were many divisions in the church in Corinth, many divisions between more conservative Jewish Christians and more liberal Greek Christians, between the politically enslaved and the politically free, between those who emphasize speaking in tongues and those who emphasize speaking boldly about Christ, between the the followers loyal to the teachings of Paul or the teachings of Peter or the teachings of Apollo. And Paul was addressing all of those divisions and promoting unity and what he was talking about that was in the scripture that we're reading today. So I want to kind of step away from that a little bit and get on my soapbox. Just, just, just a little. Will you indulge me just a little? And that is that when I say the word unity, I don't mean uniformity. Do you know the difference? Unity, we're for one purpose. Uniformity means we do it all the same way. And I don't think I read in here that idea of uniformity. But I do read in here the idea of unity. But in Corinth, they had this whole idea that some gifts were more superior to other gifts, and, then, and it also depended who you, who you learned from. And so they kind of had these ongoing arguments of what were the greater gifts. Um, and some were feeling more superior to others. And it was causing this problem within the church. And there was also this faction of people who didn't want anything to do with spiritual gifts because they thought that it wasn't from the Spirit, which is kind of funny thinking about that. But that was part of what was going on there. And the bottom line here was the church was divided. They had this idea that, that they couldn't come together. Um, for Paul, though, this spirituality, this, this, this calling that he and he felt others had um, entailed the ongoing reality and work of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives, both individually and corporately. So for, for the person sitting in the pews and everyone else around them, for the pastor sitting in front of you or standing in front of you and everyone else around, that would have been what Paul was talking about. He's talking about individuals and everybody else together. Um, Paul begins chapter 12 by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. He wants them to use their brain to think about what he's saying. By all accounts, the Corinthians um, had a full measure of the Spirit's power they were prophesying and speaking in tongues. They were interpreting those tongues, and they had knowledge. They were studiers of the word. 
They had all of those things and more. Yet they also had this conflict we were talking about and the thoughtless disregard for one another. They were busy comparing themselves to others. I follow Paul or Peter or Apollos, and that makes me better than you. In this instance, that competition had to do with spiritual gifts. And they had questions hearing all of this happening. It's like our, our leadership team decides to go to one of our judicatory leaders and ask these questions. They were going back to Paul. Paul was this pastor of all of them. And so they were asking these questions. They were asking things like, how could they know something was a gift of the Spirit and not something else? What was more important? And so on. I think, I think sometimes we ask similar questions today. We might not call them spiritual gifts. But we might ask questions about, are we, are we in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? especially when time moves slowly and we wait for what's next. There's grass over there, by the way. There's grass there. And I have hope. So the questions that we might ask, though, are, what is God up to? Or we can ask this question, what is God doing in this place? What is God doing in this church, in this neighborhood, in the lives of people within the fold of the congregation and those who are outside of this congregation? What is God doing? Sometimes congregations have never asked questions about their reason for being in this way. Other times, People are used to God talk, but not sure how to, to figure out the difference about what God might be up to and what each person is up to. I mean, there's, there's a lot of complication and complexity in figuring out what we're supposed to be doing. You know, I don't get up in the morning knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing now. I love predictability. But as, as a pastor, I've learned to, to just temper that with, Okay, God, take me this day. Have me do the things I need to do. So when we look again at this question of what is God up to, there's kind of three things that, that Paul is talking about here. Three kind of, if you want to call them criteria, in how we figure out is something really from the Spirit or not. Now, I don't know about you. I do wonder that sometimes. Am I doing the right thing? Is this really a call or is this what Sherry wants? Are we really doing what, we, what we're supposed to be doing as a corporate group or is this, uh, this about what I want to do? We do that. But Paul says that the way to tell if something is, is truly from the Spirit is there is some indication that, that we're talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. There's some acknowledgement that it's not all about us. 
So that's one. The second criteria is in discerning the work of the Holy Spirit points to the Spirit's entrance in the common life that draws us together. Just as the Spirit is all about talking about Jesus, being the hands and feet of Jesus, so the Spirit is all about building up the group rather than building up individuals. So what are, what are we doing this for? Are we doing it for me? Are we doing it for the common good? In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul's talking about building up for good, not just my good, not just your good, but the good of all. So individuals receive the, the gifts of the Spirit. Each gift is for the body as a whole. You know, that whole thing in other parts of Scripture where Paul is writing is that, you know, the eye can't do what the feet's doing or the hand can't do what the elbow is doing. You know, that's not it exactly, but you kind of get the piece. That I'm, the kind of thing that I'm talking about is that the gifts are given as part of the whole, not for just me. If I'm an eye, I can't be the eye for everyone. Or can I? If I'm foot, can I be the foot for everyone? I can if I put those things together with um, the elbow over there or the, the hand over here. So that criterion that Paul has, one, that, that we're being the hands and feet of Jesus, and two, that we're working together for good, for the good of all. Uh, and that each gift is not important, more important than the other, that we need them all. I want to have us breathe for a minute. Because I have heard people say that, you know, I can't help the church the way I used to help the church. I can't do the things I used to do. I can only do X, Y, Z when I used to be up there in ABC. You know, but what I'm hearing from Paul is that all gifts are important. What I'm telling you is that the gift of the person who can pray and call and send notes. Did I mention pray? For the congregation, for the, for the world, all of those things are as important as the person who can be those hands and feet. It may not be possible for the same person to come and make lunches on Wednesday, but they sure can pray for that ministry. Do you hear what I'm saying? Gifts are gifts, and they all go for the common good, whether it's the doer or the prayer. It's important to do that. Then Paul has this third thing that he offers to us as we get ready to answer what is God up to here, is that often, oh, Laura, you'll get this completely, often when we're doing the work of the Spirit, it's messy. It's messy. Things don't go exactly the way we think they're going to go. 
And I couldn't help when I was reading this from a, a commentary, I couldn't help but kind of chuckle when I'm thinking about the messes that we clean up on a regular basis outside. I couldn't help but think of all the other things we do that haven't gone according to plan. And I wonder if we realize that that's a sign of the Spirit. I wonder if we realize that if everything is perfect, it's not the Spirit. I want things to be perfect. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I want things to be neat and in order, and I want to have predictability. <laughs> so I set up a time to go visit my husband later this week, and he gets exposed to COVID, and my predictability went out the window. However, I know that it's not really about me. We'll see how things work out for David, and I hope I get to go. But I know I individually have a need for predictability. I think I'm in the wrong business because in interim ministry, that's not a part of my world. And I get to exercise that muscle regularly. So, hands and feet of Jesus for the common good and messy life that isn't perfect. Does that sound really hard to live with? I don't think so. There's a story I want to share with you. And some of you may have heard this before. When I first came here, I had no clue what I was getting into. I'll be honest. And my heart broke many times when I saw the things that some of you see every day. There was one particular day, though, that convinced me that I was all in. This was a day last winter. It wasn't the snowy day, but it was a cold and rainy day. And I was here alone, doing my thing back in the office, you know, getting things together. And I was getting ready to head home. I'd had a full day. And I walked around that corner up there, and I stopped. And I thought about the fact, I thought, oh no, oh no, I'm not going to get out the door as quickly. And I thought, that is a really dumb thing to say. Because you know that often when we say, oh no, it's exactly what we need to do. And there was a man, and I had never seen him before, skinny, skinny, skinny man. He was wearing a windbreaker type jacket and a kind of one of those fleece blankets that you tie the, the little ends together. You know what I'm talking about? They're thin, they're fleece, and he had it wrapped around him. And I could see that he was visibly shivering out there. And I opened the door and said, Hi, I'm Pastor Sherry. Looks like you're cold. He said, oh, I'm freezing. Let me get you a hot drink. So I made him some hot chocolate. And I brought it out to him. 
And I said, what happened to your coat? Lost it. Lost it. And remember I said the rain was coming down hard. And the wind was blowing. And he was standing there. So I came in and I briefly looked. And we had no jackets here that day. Sometimes we do. And I looked and looked and looked. And Laura, it was one of those times when we didn't have a lot here. I mean, we our supplies ebb and flow. And this was a real short time. But I found a wool blanket. And I decided to make that wool blanket into a poncho for him. So I, I made a hole for his head, and I found a cord and helped him tie it around his waist. And I said, I want you to stay here until the weather changes. I want you to stay here until the wind stops blowing. Because knowing, I, at that point, Laura, there were no tarps, and there were no, it was just one of those times. So I gave him a, a garbage bag that he could, he could put around his now wool poncho and stay dry. But I said, stay here. And I made him another big cup of hot chocolate. And I came back in the sanctuary and I cried. Because I knew what you all knew already. That we have huge impact here that the monies that we give that volunteer hours that we give are huge in the impact in the world out there you know by the time I left he was gone the rain had stopped he left the cup that I'd filled for him empty on the wall I went to look to see if I could see him going up or down the street, and he wasn't there. I said, okay, God, I'm in. I'm in. Because I knew at that point that what we do makes a difference. We can't always give people what, what they want. But we have a way to help their suffering. That's what that pantry does out there. That's what it does. I never saw him again. But I see him in that every person that we serve. I don't even know his name. But maybe it's better that I don't. Because I can see him in every person. When we look at this scripture, when Paul tries to redirect the Corinthians' attraction for, for a spiritual gift, it's not because he likes tradition more than innovation or because he's trying to erase difference. He wants everybody to, to embrace their gifts and to know that they're part of the whole and to know that they make a difference in the world, that they have that word, impact. He wants them to value other. He wants them to value other more than their knowledge, more than their wisdom, more than their prophecy, more than their miracles, their tongues and all the rest. He wants them to value 
other. The people sitting behind you, beside you in church, working beside you to make sandwiches matter more than any spiritual gift we can say we have. Each person is uniquely situated to do their part. We are all different. And what we can each do is important. Paul's goal was not a tidy community. Paul's goal was to help the Corinthians be a loving community. So how do we know? The work of the Spirit is among us. For the hands and feet of Jesus. We offer the gifts of the church for the common good. And we create activities and live out activities that show our love for neighbor. They give us a place to start as we continue to look for what God is up to in our own churches and in our neighborhoods today. We are different and we are the same. And every part of us is important. Consider this, my friends, we need each other. And we need to be the individual serving with our own unique abilities. We often forget that we are all, all unique. In our arrogance as humans, we often think others must manifest their gifts the same way that we do. But that is not the model I see in creation. What if all the flowers, the red ones, were all the same red? What if all the blue flowers were all the same blue? What if all the rocks in, the, in creation were the same size? What if all the trees bore the same fruit? We each are uniquely gifted. In our own way. You know, I don't preach the same way as other preachers. I might listen to them and decide, yeah, I want to, to take that nuance, or I want to I want to talk about that the same way I heard it talked about there, and I'll always tell you when I do that. Or I might hear someone preach and think, I am not that kind of preacher. I might do that. My gifts of proclamation are mine alone. And I don't have to be like everyone else. Today is a day about unity. And I tell you, I'm not naive. I know that there are churches out there who believe radically different than I do. And when I look at the fruits of what some of them are doing, it grieves my heart. And my mantra, the thing that comes to mind every single time when I look at the members of the body of Christ who do harm, is this. God works for good. God works for good. God works. And I continue to do my part to welcome and to love.
We as a church are not like any other church. But we can learn from other churches. I had this most delightful conversation this week with the Episcopal priest who would love to partner with us on some things. Laura, you know who she is, and you've talked with her before. It's a delightful idea that we can work with someone else. Isn't it? And that they want to work with us. Isn't that great? We do the things that we're good at doing. And the ways that we're good at doing them. Because here's the bottom line. It's important to remember who we are and whose we are. Life is messy. Suffering is real. Division is all around us. Evil and hate lurk. But if we stand together and we remember what was in that Romans passage, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. We're called according to him. You know, it's not saying that everything is good, but it's saying that God works for good in all things. If we can remember that, and we continue to ask ourselves, are we partnering with God? to work for the good in our broken world? Can the world out there see Jesus in us? Make it so, Lord. Make it so. I came across a prayer by a pastor. Um, uh, her name is uh, Reverend Lisa, and I want to share it with you. If you want a copy of it, let me know and I'll get it to you. Hear this prayer as we close this part of our service. Make us your children, Heavenly One. Your reach extends to every person, every nation, offering grace, forgiveness, wholeness, and hope. A saving embrace drawing us to you and to each other. Make us your children, grateful for a place at your feast, humble before you, your love and generosity, rejoicing in the beauty of each sibling. Make us your children, faithful in honoring and welcoming all, eager in sharing what we have found in you, safety, belonging, identity a home of nurture and growth and sending forth. Amen.